Patel. You're listening to Yusuf and Bakar with Uperians Podcast, where we bring a global perspective to you. What's going on, y'all? I want to introduce y'all to Dane. He's actually an entrepreneur who has a clothing brand called Five Star Vintage, located in LA, where I actually met him at his store. And Dane would tell you himself about the clothes that he has. He's also the former professional basketball player who lived in Mongolia. And on today's podcast, we're going to talk about the country Mongolia. Yeah, so Mongolia is a country that's located in East Asia between China and Russia. And it's known as the land of the blue skies. called that because Mongolia is actually completely cloudless for over two-thirds of the year. It's a country of three million people with half living in the capital city. And an estimated 25 to 40% of Mongolians living as nomadic herders. And Genghis Khan is considered the founding father of Mongolia. So Genghis Khan, he was one of the founders of the Mongolian Empire. Basically, he connected the nomadic tribes of Northeast Asia and united everyone as one. And to this day, it's still one of the, the most memorable conquistadors or conquerors of his time. Oh, yeah. He, he sure did conquer. They said like one to two percent of the world is actually like related to him. Like if you're descendants of him from generations and generations, generations later, he's considered the founding father of Mongolia. And he's regarded as a hero uh, in that country as well. His face is even on the money and on the vodka. And many families actually hang tapestries or portraits of, of the Grand Khan, as they call him, in their house. Some of them identify themselves as golden descendants, tracing their ancestry to the royal family. It's kind of wild. I'm sure, Dan, you saw Genghis Khan everywhere, right? Man, you know, (laughs) even if you wanted to get away from him, you could not because, you know, he's on every poster, liquor, statues everywhere. And it's just, you know, the history of Mongolia is, is built around him. So it's kind of hard to get away from him. So you see a lot of him all over, even to this day. In 25 years, he had conquered more land area than the Roman Empire did in over 200 years. In, so in this, their whole, kind of whole my mind. 200 what? years, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, that was crazy. 25 years, he did more than the entire Roman Empire in 200 years. That's, that's why he's considered, if not the, you know, one of the greatest, uh, not the greatest, but be able to yeah. conquer as much as he did in such a short time. He was just following like just a little close after the British Empire in terms of the amount of conquering he did. He's like number two, just him, just <laughs> under the British Empire. That's crazy. So, That's so he's, crazy. The LeBron, he's, he's the LeBron of empires? <laughs> Basically, he's the LeBron of empires. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So who's number one, Michael Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> the British Empire is Jordan. Maybe <laughs> Cod is LeBron. <laughs> and speaking of LeBron, so how was it living as a professional athlete over there? Man, absolutely amazing. So one thing I would say, you know, the people embraced us. Uh, they loved us out there. And, you know, as an athlete, you definitely enjoy, you know, being around the people and getting to uh, being more involved with them. So, you know, they loved us like they, they love all the NBA players here. It's no different to them. You know, to them, we are their LeBron and Kobe's and everything like that. So, you know, there was a lot of love going around, man, and I really appreciate it. What Was there, like, any traditions you saw on the court that was different from America? Um, no, no different traditions, like basketball-wise. Um, you know, training, game day, preparation, all the stuff was pretty much the same. Because, you know, a lot of the times they watch, they, they emulate what they see on TV. 
So it was normal for me. I didn't see anything outside the ordinary when it comes to maybe just playing their national anthem in place of, you know, uh, just other music just to get the game started and everyone, you know, just getting involved with that. And you were in the capital city, right? When you were doing all this? Ulaanbaatar. Ulaanbaatar. Is that how you say that? Ulaanbaatar. Yes, sir. sir. That sounds like a party town. (laughs) (laughs) If you knew people, it could have (laughs) been. Really? What what were some experiences? Actually, you know, being a third world country, you know, one of the things that stood out to me, their nightclubs were very modern. Like, maybe even more modern than some of the ones here. Like, I went into a nightclub. Yeah, man, I went into a nightclub one time. And the table itself where the drinks and the glasses were placed was a fish tank. Like thick glass decorated fish tank, man. It was so beautiful. And inside it lights up and it just like different colors and things like that, man. And like the art on the wall, like how they did everything, man. It was just very, very futuristic. It seemed like they were ahead of their time when it comes to that kind of thing, you know, based on the surroundings. Did you eat any fish or any like local foods out there? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Mongolian beef, uh, definitely. Mongolian beef. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like we're in Asia, so, you know, like Chinese food or, you know, that along those, along that line of food, you would find more prevalent over there because, you know, a lot of rice, a lot of noodles and, you know, uh, that kind of thing you would find uh, pretty often out there. That was your favorite type of food? Like that was your, your thing you ate the most? Yeah, Mongolian beef and noodles and rice like four times a week. I ordered it so much when I walked in, they knew exactly what I wanted. They saw me to like, <laughs> hey, he's a regular. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would say I was a pretty regular in there. <laughs> did, hey, did you say when we had a conversation, did you say like there wasn't like no seasoning on the meat? Like they, no they didn't season. Okay, so that was, it's on a particular day where we tried the meat as is. And if you go to the restaurants, you'll find the meat that's seasoned. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say seasoned, lightly seasoned. (laughs) Um, But on their, it's called New Moon, which is in February. It's like New Year for them. They basically store the meat or preserve the meat outside in the ice. Because it's so cold there, so the meat is frozen in the ice. And then uh, on the day, mm-hmm. they take it up and they, they cut it up in pieces and they put smaller pieces on the table. And that's how you would try it with the milk. Are you saying so you, you try it with the milk? Like Yeah. So, so basically, take a piece of the meat and you dip it in the milk and you eat it like that. The frozen meat. You use the milk meat. as a dipping sauce? Yes. A dipping sauce. Yes. <laughs> yes. Milk. Totally different. Totally different. <laughs> Um, that's wild it's like and it's dipping one part of the creature into another part of the creature (laughs) 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 exactly exactly but here's the crazy part i know it's it's new for us but you can't deny it you can't say no you know because it's seen as disrespect over there i would try it you know i would try it once absolutely you know i tried it a few times it wasn't really my favorite but you know you had that horse milk um, that is famous over there. I forgot what it's called. I don't remember the name, but yes, we did try like the horse milk. That was what they had on the table on that day. It's called New Moon or for the New Year. Were you doing all this inside of a yurt? Or how do you say that? <laughs> Gur, <a> yurt? <laughs> it's a yurt, but gur and yurt, same thing. Um, just the yurt? more, that's the more popular term for gur. People would say yurt, but no, we actually, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, we actually had a uh, an apartment in downtown in Ulaanbaatar. So I was with my college teammate at the time, and we both had uh, well, we had a, a two bedroom apartment in downtown. So we stayed in the city itself. Could you describe what a yurt is? Like, what is that exactly for the listeners? It's almost like they use like sticks uh, to. It's it's circular. It's not something that's very sturdy uh, that you can lean mm. on or any of those type of things. But the way it's designed, it's used to protect you against the wind and stuff like that. So they have like cloth materials and then they would have like uh, sometimes like animal skin like all over it, like just to kind of like keep inside warm. Inside they have like a little fire pit area where, you know, you can kind of sit down and and talk and stuff like that. But it's more so made out of like fabric. So it's not like a typical traditional house. A giant circular tent with a hole in the middle made out of skins. Like the door is made from like wood that they they make themselves. But the rest of the the house or the dirt is is made with like fabric and sometimes you can find like animal animals. And all that fabric and animal skin like protects from like the elements while they're on desert, Gobi Desert or they're on grasslands and stuff, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And now they're cool. not just, uh, it's not just, some of them aren't just plain, you know, they're actual colorful ones as well, too, that, you know. Oh, they decorate them, too. Oh. Yeah, correct, correct. So it's like blue and white, or you might find one with a different pattern. So it's like, you know, incorporating their culture and making it. And you said that you, you and your roommate stayed in a downtown apartment. Like, what was the price like compared to America? We didn't look at like the rent prices. All that was taken care of. Um, our job basically was just to go over there and play basketball. They took care of all the rent. What was the conversion rate there? Um, in terms of uh, cost of living, uh, most of that was taken care of by the team. Uh, but what I would say is that when it comes to the food, uh, the cost of the food was pretty cheap. On average, one meal would cost maybe between three to four American dollars. And I'm talking about like, you know, beef and, you know, like noodles, rice and those kind of things, you know, things that might be a little bit more here. It's very uh, cost efficient over there. Like three to four bucks would be, you know, a good meal for you over there. I mean, honestly, the only thing I would say, I I wish I knew more uh, is that like, it was still like how much of a third world country it was. Uh, because one of the things that happened to me in my case was they would throw the N word around casually. So for me, oh, that. it was hard, like, you know, or difficult accepting that word being thrown at me, you know, as a black man. But over time, you know, realizing that this is what they learn on TV. It happened several instances where, you know, just going out to eat, they'll tell their kid, hey, go say what's up to that, you know? So I started realizing that it was a norm that they would use and, you know, talking to some of my teammates, you know, they elaborated a little bit more, letting me know that, hey, you know, these are stuff that they see on TV. Don't get offended by it. Because, you know, other than that, they were very friendly, very welcoming. But Hearing that word, you know, if you're not expecting it, will catch you off guard. And I think that's one of the things that I wish I knew prior to going over there. Honestly, a lot of the fans, I don't think they see black people often or frequently enough. Mm Because one of the kids, he was he was maybe about seven years old, eight years old. And one day I'm getting ready for a game and I'm sitting there putting my clothes on. 
And this kid is just standing at the door. He's just looking at me. And I'm like, <laughs> what's up, buddy? You want to autograph or you want to take a picture? And he said, no. And then he just walks up to me and takes his finger and rubs it against my skin and looks at his finger. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like, what just happened? He thought, you know he thought coal was going to rub off. There's going to be some coal on his finger. <laughs> Whoa, he's like, he's like that world. must be a little bit of dirt. That must be a little bit of dirt. You know let, let, let me make sure. But it was, so, it was so shocking for him to see that, yo, this is really my complexion. Like, this is who I am. Right. You know, so... Uh, that's one of the things I would say, you know, just prepping myself mentally for, you know, going over there, understanding that this is a third world country. I can't even imagine. You know, I couldn't imagine it either until it happened to me. You can still get the sense of love because, you know, they're very like giving people like they love you. They want to come up, you know, every now and again, like you go, uh, we do little things for like kids and stuff. They give you gifts and things like that. Like, hey, you know. Those kind of things. So you know they don't mean, well, in those instances, you know they don't mean any harm or you feel like they don't mean any harm because outside of all that one negative aspect, it was still a very, very positive experience. You know what I'm saying? What are some of the customs and traditions you noticed that stood out to you when you was out there? Basically, on the new moon, that thing that I was explaining to you guys, basically the new year that I was explaining to you guys a little bit earlier, Everything on that day, they believe in odd numbers. So when you're at a table sitting down, there are a couple of things that you have to know prior to this. is like if you have two shots, you cannot end on two shots. You have to take a third one because it has to end on an odd number. If you eat bread, you eat two pieces of bread, you have to take a third one. So everything has to end on an odd number on that day for them, right? Now, also... You cannot deny anything that they're giving you. And it's not like how we were taught here just to, to, to take it. You know, if someone offers you something or they put it out and you just take it with your hand. No, you have to take it with your right hand and you actually have to put your left palm under your right elbow and put it out like you're taking it with grace. Right. Oh, wow. So it's like you don't take it. They give it to you. And does that make sense? It's like, you know, you, you have to like accept Gratitude. it. Correct. 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 In that instance. So you, you do have to accept it in that form. And my teammate at the time was not aware of that. And Uh-oh. he put his arm out to just take it out of his hand. And they're like, no, 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 no. And they said, no, you have to. And they explained to him how the procedure works and things like that. But, you know, it's also seen as offensive if you deny anything they give you. So you at least have to take it, receive it. Try it, and if you don't like it, put it to the side. Now, this is a tradition that goes on for three days, right? So you go visit friends and family houses all over the city, you know, sometimes a little bit outside the city. So this starts at like 8 a.m. By 11 a.m., you go around, you're having all these different foods, treats, drinks, and stuff. You can imagine, you know, Mongolians love vodka, so... By the time you get to the third house, you don't even know what's going on no more, you know? (laughs) It's like by 10 o'clock, you're drunk. You start feeling, you know, drunk and things like that. But, you know, that was one of the things that really stood out to me culture-wise, how they offer things and how you have to accept it. And actually, it was actually really humbling because, you know, sometimes someone say, hey, would you like this? You just go ahead and you grab it, you know? So it was kind of nice. Uh, or humbling to, you know, receive it in that sense where, you know, they give it to me and me 
not just go ahead and take it. I was going to say one of the things we made some friends over there as well. And um, they took us around on that night. My teammate and I, uh, they took us around to the governor's house. And basically what they would do is take a cup of, they would buy the milk in the grocery store and they would have like a cup. And then they go out in front of the prime minister house or the governor's house. And they would give a little quick little phrase in Mongolian. And then they would taste the milk and throw the rest of the milk up in the air, which mm. was something new for me. But that's part of their tradition as well for like the new moon is like giving thanks kind of thing, you know. That's pretty cool. Do, do you remember the phrase? I do not. Uh, my Mongolian is not that good. <laughs> I, I, I learned like basic stuff. You, you know how to say what's up? Uh, no, more so like <laughs> if you want to catch like a cab, you could say stop. Uh, you go straight left like chigide. Chigide, Zun, Barun, like those type of things mean, you know, go straight, left or right. Like just the basic stuff to get around. How long were you living in Mongolia? So I was there for between five and six months from November through April, late April, early May. But those are also some of the coldest times in Mongolia. I'm talking about first thing they ask you when you get there, do you have like the necessities? Like necessities would be like, wool socks you know wool gloves and those type of things to keep you warm because regular socks won't do the job and no matter how many times you double up those socks it's not going to keep you warm because you're thinking when you're over there you hear like negative 40 degrees it's so cold man it's it's like walking out say, into like uh, a brick the capital ulaanbaatar is the coldest capital in the world it's colder what? than you know, Russia's capital colder than Iceland's capital. It's literally by by yearly averages, Mongolia's capital Ulaanbaatar, the coldest in the world. <laughs> That's kind of wild. Hey, hey, it would get to like negative, like negative one forty degrees Fahrenheit. So. And that's that's for like five months. Like it might warm up a little bit, but you're still in the negatives the whole time while you're there. I so, would basically hibernate at that point. I was <laughs> <laughs> there was no way for me to be in New York. I'm like, nah, I need all the heat coming out right. of this apartment at all the time. I need three heaters on each side <laughs> of me and one on top. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it's so cold, bro. Like to add to that, that fact is that sometimes it takes two, three hours to warm up the gym just for it to be in playing conditions. Sometimes like yeah, they got to, they have on the to, court. <laughs> they got to, they got to <laughs> melt the frost. <laughs> it, it, it felt like that. It felt like that. Cause like they have to heat up for a few hours just to, for it to get warm enough. That's too cold. <laughs> <laughs> That's too hey, cold. hey, picture being an Island guy, an Island guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. Cause you're off on the Island. It's like, hey. bro, I'm accustomed to 89 degree weather. You tell me negative? <laughs> what is that? What are those? That is, is that possible? <laughs> you, you, look, you look at the thermostat and you're like, yo, what is this? Is this wrong? This thing broken. This thing is broken. <laughs> I'm telling you, it must have been. Must have been. Hey, go ahead and close this out, Bakar. What would you recommend for somebody? Would you go there again on your own leisure time? I mean, honestly, personally, I would. Because, you know, I'm a fan of history and, you know, learning a little bit um, about different places. So 
if you're into like history, you want to get to a place where you can learn a lot about the past, about like Mongolian things like that. I would highly recommend it. Cost of living, cost of living, food and those type of things is cheap. But it's not a place where I would say you want to go for a long period of time. But it'll be great for maybe like a few weeks. You can go out there and you can, um, you know, enjoy it, preferably in the summertime, because that's when it gets all the blue skies and it's a lot nicer uh, where you're able to go around and do more things and be more outdoors as opposed to being inside. What is their summer? Like what month? Is it the same as it is in America? Or? Yeah, because when we left, it was still cold, but it was starting to warm up going into like the summer months. So, yeah, they have a few months of, uh, you know, all that beautiful sunshine. So I would say like June, June forward to about maybe like October, September, October. Cool. Well, that wraps it up about Mongolia. Uh, Dane, where can the listeners find you at? Hey, you guys can find me at Five Star Vintage, F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R Vintage on Instagram. We are also on Depop. Or if you're out in the L.A. area, make sure to check us out at Melrose Trading Post every Sunday, 9 to 5, and the Grand Central Market on Thursdays. Thanks for listening to the Appearance Podcast for the people that want to explore the world and make traveling a part of their lifestyle. Don't forget to follow us on social media. It's at Appearance on all platforms. And check out our next week podcast. (music) 